Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app. We keep you bang up to date on all things tech every single day with hourly updates and daily newsletters which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. On the show this week, we're going to look at how we can work faster, smarter, and happier. Whoa, all three. Uh, I'll also be sharing uh, some news of the latest gadget I got for the car, which is fantastic. Uh, but first, joining me as always is our Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson, with uh, what's been going on in the news today. And it's kind of really all about uh, Facebook, I suppose, this week. One of our favourite, favourite brands. Yeah, favourite brands, favourite companies. Our, our favourite yeah. overall, you know, we love social media. It has done nothing negative for our lives at all. Let me just jump to in to say and say that today's Tech Radio has been brought to you by Extra Sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we've got two Facebook stories, two Facebook uh, stories that I think will bring a smile to your face. Okay. Uh, the first one was to do with Libra, um, Facebook's uh, digital currency, and CoLibra, the uh, non-profit foundation behind the digital wallet that will be handling uh, Libra. Now, uh, as you remember, uh, Colibra started out with 27 backers uh, and has been shedding them uh, for uh, oh, left, three or weeks left, now. Left, right and centre. And the first to go with the credit cards, the first to go with the money people, as in the credit cards and PayPal and the like. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they lost eBay, PayPal, Stripe, MasterCard, Visa, um, and that, you know, and, and a couple of others since. France and Germany came out and said, look, we're not going to let this uh, currency be used at all because it's unregulated. Um, it, it could potentially destabilize the value, destabilize the value of the euro. Uh, China has its own digital currency plan, so there, it's not going to be able to be used over there. Um, so Facebook has had to put the entire project on ice. Uh, the well, official. What, what, what was it happened this week? To, I mean, all of that is terrible. But then yeah. what happened this week to make it even worse? <laughs> well, to make it even worse. OK, here we go. Uh, right. Facebook officially announced that Libra was was going on ice subject to US uh, regulatory approval. But Mark Zuckerberg uh, went in front of uh, the House to talk all about Libra this week and got torn a new one uh, by Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, um, AOC, as she is called, uh, somebody who actually understands Facebook and what it does. Um, as opposed to the appalling, appalling free ride he was given last year, um, he was actually called up on things. Uh, the first one uh, being, what did he know about Cambridge Analytica and when? Uh, which I think is a very important question. Um, to which uh, we discovered he knew sort of about it in 2015. Yeah. 2015. And that it was being traced by someone <laughs> uh and and then everything everything blew up uh so that was that was a bit of a revelation uh and then the other very interesting thing that he was asked was um on the subject of propaganda uh because as we know uh facebook has undertaken measures to make sure that uh what people see in terms of um uh, political advertising is accurate or that at least at the very minimum people aren't subjected 
to uh, misinformation campaigns. And they've, they've got Facebook Protect, which is uh, basically something that sniffs out something that looks like a misinformation campaign and, and can look and shut it down. Hmm. However, uh, if you are a, an individual candidate and you decide you want to run an attack ad about uh, your competitor, um, you can do that and they won't fact check it. So if I decided, OK, I want to take over tech radio, uh, I'm going to say something nasty about Dusty. I'm going to take out a Facebook ad about it. Uh, f- Facebook aren't terribly interested in doing anything about that. However, if I was part of a Russian troll farm uh, and I started placing ads uh, in everywhere who has a Facebook account that is traced back to the greater you know, Dublin area, mm. um, they will go, oh, no, we're, we're not going to do anything about that. So Yay they're, money they're for not us. going to do anything. But this is the this is one of the things that got Facebook into so much trouble was the American election and the Russian influence and then buying advertising, yada yada, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, what Mark Zuckerberg is saying, we're not going to change. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. We're wow. we're getting paid. Screw you guys. Wow, it's very interesting in American politics how they do those those kind of attack ads where they kind of go, "That guy is an idiot," and he did did, and it sounds like they're making up stuff. Like you know, um, well, I, Elizabeth Warren did a really good one where she placed an ad on Facebook saying, "Mark Zuckerberg voted for Donald Trump." <laughs> and and you know Zuckerberg was forced to go. Well, we can't actually change that. Uh, be- <laughs> oh, that's a cracker. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. that. All right. So, so listen. So it's all long, it's not going well for uh, uh, for Facebook this week. Show sure. we, we keep an eye on it. It'll be interesting anyway to see how it goes because we've got uh, with the offings of uh, an election in the UK. It could well happen by the time uh, uh, we uh, get broadcast on uh, on RT. But anyway. A time of recording, as it was. Uh, yeah. There is no election being called yet. We'll just wait and see what happens. And, of course, then we have the Irish election next year. Can you imagine attack ads in the Irish election? What I would Michal Martin say about Leo? What would Leo say about Michal Martin? And then throw in uh, Sinn Féin in it. Oh, it'd be great crack. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, quite a week uh, on the news. So I wanted to share with you uh, a new gadget I got for the car. Well, uh, because I've got a good, well, an old-ish car. It's about eight years old or whatever. Um, but no Bluetooth in it. Okay. And I was just, you know, kind of meandering around uh, Amazon as, as I do. And I came across reviews for this little Bluetooth kit. Okay. So is, is this something that it plugs into your lighter thing super duper duper easy because i know nothing about cars and uh wiring up things i mean in the house i'm kind of okay with but in a car i'm not going with it and then bluetooth i'm not anyway it was super easy basically uh it's called a b sign bluetooth kit and it cost me 25 euro or somewhere around there okay comes with a little uh, cigarette lighter adapter with two Aha. two usbs in it okay so Ooh. one of the USBs, uh, you are able to plug the Bluetooth in. That's where it gets its power from. Mm-hmm. And then the other uh, connection that it has is a uh, 3.5 mil mini jack, which you plug into the auxiliary port of your radio. Right. Then you just turn it on, you pair it with your phone and boom, you've got a uh, very loud music playing on. Well, in my case, very loud music playing on the stereo in your car. It's fantastic. Ah, okay. Yep, that's nice. That's it nice. is nice. And it's, it spurred me on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not so much a technical gadget. Uh, um, I, d- I don't know if I should even share this with you, but we're friends, oh, aren't we? Oh, come on. 
Yeah, uh, we're all friends. It spurred here. me on to kind of start to do Google searches now for um, cool things on Amazon for under 30 quid. <laughs> oh, no. You're falling down a rabbit hole. <laughs> so last night I ordered, uh, was it, it's called a mommy hook. <laughs> Right. Oh, God. And right. Basically, okay. it's just like a steel handle kind of a thing uh, where you can clip on all the shopping bags from the supermarket. Because when you and go and you do your shopping and everything is in the trolley and you get it to the car and you put it in the car and that's fantastic. But when you get home, then you've got like 17 bags and you can't carry them all at the same time. So the idea is you load all of the bags onto this metal handle thing and carry them all at the same time. Like like a hobo carrying a bindle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I've just shot what's left of my reputation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. That's the news and the gadgets for this week. Niall, thanks as always for keeping us up to date. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Now, which is more important to you, working faster, working smarter or being happier? What if I told you you could do all three? In the last of our interviews from the Learnervate conference in Dublin, Niall Kitson met with Wendy Van Tol from PwC to find out how embracing wellness has transformed their company. So you've come from uh, something of a soft social science background uh, in sociology and you ended up in quite a, a hard-nosed uh, company, I imagine, at the time, like PwC. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to work in the company and what sort of value they saw in your skills? So I was advised to have a chat with PwC and apply for a job by a, a recruitment agency. My first impression was, nah, not PwC, that's not something for me. It's too much rational, focused uh, organization with probably a lot of masculine energy and values. Uh, coming in as a, as a female sociologist, I did not see a place for me in that organization. This was 20 years ago. Uh, they really pushed me to have a conversation. So I did. And I thought, you know, we'll just give it a try. Um, in that conversation, something something happened that I call that true human uh, connection. And we started talking about passion and purpose and something completely different than what I expected. Um, so in the end, you know, also a brand like PwC, uh, true humans work there. So it is what happened in that conversation and the willingness to try out of PwC ha is deeply rooted in the culture. So by the end of the conversation, they said, well, we, we really don't know yet what value you're going to add as a sociologist because you're the first sociologist that we hire. But we like your attitude. Let's give it a try. Um, so it's that energy of uh, let's give it a try is what pulled me over. So in the same way that some places will have an artist in residence, you sort of became the social scientist in residence. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that means that uh, it's not easy. So the first year wasn't easy because we had to get used to each other and uh, we had to be able to appreciate the different skill sets. Uh, one and one is three instead of uh, minus one. So uh, working through the debates and the conflicts of what it, what it was that I was coming to do there in the, in, in the consulting practice. 
I think we're reaching a really acute moment uh, when it comes to people assessing the, the societal impact of technology. That's capital T technology, if you if you want to look at it that way. Um, as somebody looking at things from uh, a sociological perspective, perspective, from the perspective of we have a company full of people, how do we get technology to work better from them? What sort of challenges are you finding? So we, we also had a lot of, have a lot of technologists, uh, 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 programmers, coders, developers, architects. And I think the key for us is to uh, continuously use the society perspective and what's needed in society as the human uh, uh, problems and issues that we're trying to, to solve. So then we come at an intersection of sociologists, psychologists, learning educators, uh, accountants, tax advisors, and all the technology STEM people that we've, we've hired that now make up more than 25% of our workforce. And I can tell you as the first female partner in, in PwC uh, 10 years ago, diversity is, is, is difficult because you continuously come from a completely different planet. So how do you merge diversity of thought into something that uh, actually creates synergy. That is hard work. And we often don't realize that putting all these diverse skills in an organization that we know is needed to create a better society than, than what we have been creating over the past 20 years uh, requires collaboration to a whole different level. And at an organizational level, we're certainly seeing it where we are getting, you know, the CIO, the chief data officer, the chief in information officer finally penetrating into the, the C-suite or the corporate suite, if you will. Uh, this is very much the cycle of change you're seeing. Yeah, and I think we're also missing a piece here. Uh, I would love to have the chief culture officer or the chief human officer uh, or the chief society officer to add to that executive team to be able to continuously hold the compass of morality and uh, integrity and ethics uh, because we see that the possibilities of technology by far and the speed of the development exceeds our moral compass to keep up. So sometimes we don't even uh, are able to estimate the unintended consequences of what we are creating with technology. Let's look at some unintended uh, consequences then. At the moment, we're dealing still with the millennial generation and Gen Z behind them now entering the workforce. Uh, generations that are defined by an always-on technology culture. But that has brought with us, you know, this the idea that people should be able to work on their own terms, but also some mental health factors as well. So that's definitely one of the unintended consequences. Let's create technology that helps us to collaborate, that helps us to work anytime, anyplace, anywhere, that actually by nature would help us to be more flexible. So I'm a working mom. I have two kids. I, I love it that I can go home to bring the kids to bed, have dinner with them, and then start at work again. And that technology uh, is there. But also... What happens is that I go home and I'm not fully there because the phone keeps ringing. I see emails coming in. Uh, I try to multitask and we all know we can't do that. When I'm with the kids, I need to be with the kids. So uh, when you would buy a, 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 a new mobile phone, I would love it to have a, an, an instruction with it for a healthy life. At the moment, we're just finding instructions online on the infinitive possibilities of, of the new iPhone. But what I would like to see is um, give us some instructions for a good life. When to put the phone down. Don't take it to the bedroom. Don't put it at the dinner table. When you go out with friends, 
Don't be too fussed about putting it on Facebook or whatever social platform. Have the real human to human conversation and connection. It's not too often that you go out with friends. So spend that time as a human, not as a technologist. So when you have people entering the workforce that that are so connected that I guess are putting themselves at a greater risk of burnout, I think you've made a point that there are effectively two kinds of uh, young person entering the workforce that you've come across, the very task-oriented people and then those that have a slightly more eclectic background, but not necessarily one entirely focused on that sector. Do you find that companies would prefer the task-oriented person or the more eclectic person with a greater sense of curiosity? I think uh, uh, most organizations would give uh, the second uh, as a a preference in in how uh, they would answer that question. However, what I see is some of those performance paradigms are so deeply rooted in our systems that when you ask people to judge a CV, uh, they would still judge it the old way. So we have uh, so many biases uh, that are deeply rooted in a paradigm that we've been living in for the last 20, 25 years that we don't even know what we don't know. So although maybe the, the logical answer would be person B, but everything in our system still drags us to person A. But in the end, we probably need both. And I guess one of the things that would transfer a person A into a person B is the role of technology in terms of removing uh, the boring or the repetitive aspects of someone's job in order to free up that mental capacity to be a little bit more eclectic. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, can we? What te- we need to look at the benefits of what technology can bring, and it is exactly that: automate the skills that people. Get bo- are very bored of, uh, maybe not even so good at that. Actually, smart automation can do much better than than humans. So, humans can be can again become through human. But that raises another issue because we've been asking people to bring their brains to work for the last twenty years, uh, and and leaving their heart, intuition, and gut at uh, the door. So now, all of a sudden, we're asking them to bring curiosity and intuition and levels of spiritual wisdom to the workplace. People don't know how to do that anymore. So we need to give them also the education and mental practices, spiritual practices, emotional practices and physical practices to be able to tap into those skills that we didn't appreciate the last 20 years. There's a couple of points I'd like to dance around uh, on that, if you will. One of which is, if you take away these skills that might be seen as repetitive or boring, etc., you are still taking away skills that that perhaps have very, uh, that could be mission critical. For example, the ability to research in a library, for example, as opposed to put something into Google or LexisNexis. So how do you make sure that people still value skills, even though they're not necessarily going to be using them? And I think uh, that is a beautiful example because uh, searching a library also uh, in an actual physical library also creates an uh, an emotional level of energy uh, in terms of almost like a trip down down ancient wisdom. Well, I can tell you a search search on Google doesn't feel and doesn't hold the spiritual space of a trip down down that, that wisdom. So uh, we should look at continuously what are the human skills needed in this task or role that add value. 
that's that's a really interesting way of putting it because I think people find you know when they visit the shopping centre when they visit the bookshop there is a sort of level of serendipity that just it can't be replicated in a in an online experience. So how do you take this to management and go look these these are skills, um, but how do you sell the idea of there is a payoff at this, there is an ROI? Um, how do you get that message across when you have management that look at things like um, you know employee in money out salesperson in money out that's our motive so uh, uh, if that is truly the motive it's going to be an extremely hard sell but the conversation that i have uh, with uh, the c-suite other clients is is changing the definition of success it is not only economic value it is far beyond uh, economic value what you do as an organization these days in society has to go beyond economic value because you know businesses are under scrutiny look at what's happening in the financial sector look at what's happening also in the auditing sector uh, um, so um, we have to change the definition otherwise we're never going to change this game so we talked very briefly uh, about the role of morality and ethics uh, and the humanities. So do you think that if people are slightly more circumspect about their role in a company, about a company's role in, in wider society, that we are going to see a more mentally balanced and ethical workforce? Um, uh, that's definitely what we see. When we conducted the, um, the values research, the cultural research in PwC amongst 200,000 uh, people, we, our hypothesis was that it was the millennials that would want uh, something beyond economic value, that would want a workplace that provides meaning, that gives them a purpose. Uh, we were wrong. This is millennials, centennials, generation X, Y, Z. It, it was everything and everywhere. It wasn't only uh, continental Europe or uh, UK or the US. It was everywhere. So in the end, if you ask a true human... Do you want to be more human? I think everyone would give you that answer, yes. So that collective wisdom and collective consciousness of the role of businesses in society is shifting uh, in society and in corporate life. So that we are seeing sort of the profit motive being replaced, uh, as you allude to, by a, a more holistic view of the, the position of, of the company uh, and the consequences of, of a company's action. And to, to feed that down then to the individual and to look after their mental well-being so that you know, funnels upwards to protect the overall company uh, reputation and well-being. What little measures do you find companies are putting in place to keep their, their workers, for, for want of a nicer term, sane? Um, well, we see a lot of different measures. Some people close down the email system after six o'clock in the evening. Uh, or, or close down the connection that actually forces people, uh, which is not something that I would believe in because I think it's the flexibility. As I said, as a working mom, I love the flexibility. Uh, and that might not mean the, the kind of five to nine working hours. Um, uh, but um, we're also seeing a lot of organizations putting in yoga spaces, mindfulness practices, uh, um, uh, and other well-being uh, means. Uh, uh, being a good parent is a, is a workshop that we give at PwC. Can you imagine? Um, so how do you combine young children in a, in a, uh, in a career that's moving fast? Um, but I think the key is we have moved away from offering these programs. We've actually said, you know, whatever works for you, we're now giving you a, a lump sum of money that you can spend on 
anything that actually feeds your well-being. Uh, one thing that I've come across in talking with uh, U.S. multinationals is the idea of we want you to bring your whole self to work. We want every part of you to become part of our, our company culture. Do you think that's healthy or do you think people really do need to set that dividing line there that, you know, when they go home, you know, uh, you do switch off? Uh, definitely. And you have to have time to switch off and be your true self at home, which might be different than in a workplace. But when we say that, bring your whole self to work, what we mean is bring your whole wisdom to work. So not only the wisdom that comes from the brain, we want the wisdom that comes from the heart, uh, the gut, uh, uh, that creativity, that intuition. Bring your emotions to work. When you're really upset about something, we want to know. Because there's obviously something that we or the client uh, uh, or the whole system gets wrong if you're really upset. Um, we want to know. So speak up for what's right, even if it feels difficult. So for us, that is more around bring the full potential that you as a human can deliver to the workplace to work. That there's other stuff that you might better be off leaving at home. Absolutely. So I guess let's look at the... Uh, to take a step back and look at the uh, almost a macro humanistic level when you're working in a regular job the output that you're creating is revenue and i i think in every business that's still largely the same when you have a, a company that focuses or rather has um, an element of it focused on individual wellness wellness that output is still profit and the wellness becomes a means to an end. So if you're working in a company where there is a wellness program and you know it makes you a better parent, that output is still reflected in the profit motive thereafter. Do you think, therefore, that it is still ethical for companies to look at uh, employee well-being as a side effect towards the profit motive as opposed to uh, a more benevolent thing of just having better people working for that company? So for me, uh, doing good does not mean not for profit. In the end, uh, doing programs like well-being uh, that actually helps uh, to gain the full potential of what a human has to offer in the workplace, that will create economic value in the end, um, is not a bad thing. And uh, in our story, this is much around, this can coexist. Uh, we want to create value beyond economic value, social value, people value. And we love it if people become a better parent. That is creating value for society, which is a, 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 a fantastic side effect if we can create that. So for me, this, these things can easily coexist. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Wendy Van Tol from PwC. That is it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on that interview and all of the stuff that we discussed earlier in the news section of the programme with early updates, daily newsletters and more on our website at techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.